We are glad you're here this Palm Sunday evening to worship the one true King. Uh, As um, Lex was talking, I thought we've got a lot in common. He's got twins. I've got twins. We both grew up in good, godly Christian families. Um, We both put people to sleep for a living. If he's doing his job well, he's doing that. If I'm doing my job poorly, I'm doing that. Uh, we're, we're coming to the end of our um, series in Titus. We've been, we've been going through uh, the whole book. And there's uh, something that happens. Uh, next week will be our, our last week in the book. Uh, this week we're finishing up chapter uh, 3, looking at verses 12 through 15. And then next week uh, we're going to look at the whole book in, in a, a speed version as we go and kind of piece by piece look at the book. Uh, sometimes we miss the we miss the forest for the trees. Uh, so what we're going to do next week is we're going to go through the whole book and, and look at the book as a whole, not just its individual parts. But when you do a study like this and you, and you go through uh, the whole book, one of the things that happens is uh, you come to something I call flyover passages. There's an old country, uh, actually I don't even know if it's old or new, uh, but there's a country song that talks about the flyover states. And they call it the flyover states because it's it's not the place you're flying to. It's the state you're flying over as you're getting to the place where you're going to. And a lot of times I think we treat Scripture the same way. There's some other destination we're, we're looking for in the certain passage we're uh, going over or maybe in our daily reading. We just kind of fly and skim over. And as we got to this section, I was a little bit expecting it to be like one of those uh, flyover passages. There are certain scriptures where the treasures of God are laid out readily available for anyone who comes. But there are other passages where they require a little bit of digging. This passage didn't take much digging before I was surprised at the treasures it held. And there were some things I learned that I never knew, uh, even after four years of Bible college and four years of seminary. This passage taught me some things I was completely unaware of. I'm sure there are some in here who are better students of the Word that have come across some of these truths before. But I, I say that to encourage you in your own personal reading of the Scripture is sometimes slow down. Take a little more time. Study some passages that you might normally pass over and gloss over. The Lord always rewards those who dig deep into His Word. With that in mind, let us read together Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse 12 and going to the end of the book. Paul, writing to Titus, says this, When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me. At Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works, so as to help in cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me, send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Lord, we pray for our time together in your word. 
Lord, open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear, open our hearts to receive what your Holy Spirit has for us. We ask this in the beautiful and precious name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. When we get to heaven, I have the suspicion that there are going to be people there who have a whole lot of prominence that are people we might have passed over and passed by in our everyday life. And there's some people who have a lot of prominence in this life that we might be expecting to be a lot closer to the throne of grace who might be in more humble positions. I say that because in the passage we're going to read, there's uh, several names mentioned, uh, some of which we know very little bit about, some of which we know a little bit more about. Uh, But they're not names that are uh, that well-known even in Christianity. Uh, I mean, how many people do you know out there that are naming their kids Artemis or Tychicus? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's not on the list of, uh, n- you know, names people are, are giving their kids and, and things like that. But as we look at this, uh, one of the overarching themes that we have in this section is that of partnership. I think oftentimes when we think of Paul, we think of this great missionary leader going through all these journeys and adventures. And and I think sometimes we emphasize Paul a lot, and rightfully so. But in our imagining of Paul, he's kind of this lone ranger. But in reality, Paul is somebody who valued partnership deeply. In fact, the whole book of Titus is, in many ways, about partnership. It's Paul writing to somebody he has sent to Crete, that is Titus. And what's he writing Titus to? He's writing, Paul, in partnership with Titus, is saying, hey, you need to set up church leaders, you need to set up elders in the church there so that you can partner with them in teaching all the people the truth of the gospel of grace. There's multiple levels of partnership. Paul's partnering with Titus, who's partnering with the local church to produce leaders who partner in the task of raising up the church. Here we we see that it extends even further, that there's going to be later on, Paul's going to send one of his two fellow workers, Artemis or or Tychicus, to him, and once they relieve him, he doesn't want to leave this young church without some leadership element. And he says, Then I want you to come to me at Nicopolis. He's not there, but he's decided to spend winter there. So he says, When winter time comes, uh, Nicopolis is uh, by the coast in Greece. It's kind of like he's, he, he's going south for the winter a little bit. He's going to camp out there. He wants Titus to come so that they can fellowship, plan what's next, and work on that. And then there's two other partners mentioned, Zenos the lawyer and Apollos. Apollos is should be a well-known name. Uh, he's mentioned uh, in several places, was known as a great orator. Somebody trained by Priscilla and Aquila who could speak well on behalf of the church. Uh, They're to aid them in their journey. So four people mentioned here in a letter from Paul to Titus. So at least five different connections here. Artemis, and I want to take a little bit of a tangent. Uh, Artemis, 
This is the only mention we have of him. Uh, but Tychicus, it, it, it's interesting. Anybody know anything about Tychicus? Not really. I didn't either. Uh, and, and, and so I want to take a little bit of an aside to talk about Tychicus. Uh, the reason why is he's mentioned in seven verses in the Bible. Can you imagine somebody? Can you imagine being mentioned in seven verses in the Bible, and the church doesn't know who you are? You know, a seminary graduate doesn't know who you are. So I'm going to take a little bit of time to to, to spend on on Tychicus, and uh, partially because it fits into this theme of partnership. And Tychicus really shows himself to be a model partner in the passages he shows up in. Uh, he's in seven verses. Uh, in six different books of the Bible, actually. Uh, two of the verses are in Ephesians. Ephesians 6, 21, and 22 is a place we hear about them. Uh, this is what Ephesians 6, 21, and 22 says. So that you may also know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. So here we learn a little bit about Tychicus. He's loved. We don't really use the word beloved, so I'm just going to say he's loved. He's loved. He's a brother in the faith. He's faithful. He's informative. He's bringing a message to them. He's encouraging. He's sent there to encourage the hearts of the believers. So that's uh, two verses in, in one book we hear about him. In Acts 20, verse 4, we, we learn a little bit about him. We learn that he's one of seven men that are mentioned who return with Paul as he's leaving Macedonia and heading to Jerusalem. Uh, in that, we learn that he is uh, an Asian, uh, which has a little bit of a different meaning back then. Uh, what they referred to as Asia is Asia Minor, uh, which is uh, the uh, little area that is mostly now controlled by Turkey, uh, surrounded on several sides by, by water. So he's, he's from that area. He's an Asian um, in and we just know he's a part of seven other people who were heading back with Paul out of Macedonia into Jerusalem. In Colossians 4.7, he's also mentioned. Uh, it says, Tychicus will tell you about all my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Again, he's loved. He's a brother in the f- faith. He's faithful. He's a minister. And he's a fellow servant. In 2 Timothy, um, I didn't write down the whole, it's either 2 Timothy 1, 2, 4, 12. You got a cross reference there. Uh, that should be 4, 2, not 1, 2. Okay, uh, still in partnering with Paul, uh, Tychicus is, is mentioned here, and he's mentioned. I don't know if you know the background of 2 Timothy. Most people take that as Paul's second time in prison in Rome. He's nearing the end of his ministry, and he's nearing his death sentence. Uh, it's in this, in this passage he mentions a lot of the people who have abandoned him and forsaken him. Yet he mentions Tychicus he sent to Ephesus. Even in the end, even when Paul was in prison, even when Paul was opposed, even when Paul had friends abandoning him, Tychicus 
was still useful and faithful in the ministry. He was sent out to Ephesus to minister there. In Titus, we have his name mentioned, uh, and he's one of two people uh, that Paul is probably going to send to relieve Titus and to take over the work so that Titus can meet with Paul. Uh, So with Tychicus, we have this model partner mentioned in seven verses in six books of the Bible. And I want to give uh, seven points from his life as we look at those, those passages. Uh, number one, he was loved. He was somebody who was uh, loved by God. He was somebody who was loved by Paul. Uh, we, we see that Paul, as he enters into these partnerships, it's not just uh, formal or legal, uh, but it's emotional bond. It's a deep bond that he has with his co-workers in the faith. He's a brother. That is, they, they both have the same father. They both are a part of the same family. They've both been brought in and adopted by God. Third, and this is going to be a theme throughout the rest of uh, the descriptions of Tychicus, is he is faithful. He is somebody that is reliable, Uh, He's often sent when when Paul has something important to do or or some important work that's going on. He sends Tychicus. Why? Because he can rely on him. He can depend on him to accomplish what is necessary. He's encouraging. He's sent to places that need encouragement. When Paul sees a church that needs lifting up like Ephesus did, He sends Tychicus to them. Fifthly, he's a minister. He met people's needs. He was faithful in the ministry. He existed to care for others. Along with that, sixth, he's a servant. Like Paul, he saw himself as one who serves and one who was found faithful and useful in that purpose. Uh, Saints, there's a danger that can come with people looking for positions of authority. We serve a king who washed feet. We serve somebody who says, take up your cross and follow me, not take up a crown and follow me. We serve a God who humbled himself, and we need to be very suspicious of anyone posturing like a leader. The most dynamic, the most powerful leaders in the Bible are the ones who fashion themselves as servants, who humble themselves, who aren't looking for praise or accolades. They're just looking for a way to serve their Savior. Lastly, seventhly, he was a partner and friend. We mentioned when others had abandoned Paul and forsaken him, Tychicus remained faithful and useful. So now, when you're reading through the Bible and one of the names that we usually gloss over and pass over comes up and it's Tychicus, you can say, ah, I know about Tychicus. He's a faithful servant, a partner in the ministry. He was one of many. He's one of four that's mentioned in this passage. Uh, There's also Artemis. I've said we don't know much about him. There's Zenos the lawyer. 
That's a little interesting. It's actually very unusual. Uh, do you know why it's unusual? This is the only lawyer mentioned in terms of uh, planting and spreading the church. Uh, we, we don't know. Uh, that's one reason why it's unusual. There's two reasons why it's unusual. Uh, one is because it's the, the first time a lawyer's mentioned in, in the gospel work. Uh, another reason why it's unusual is uh, because this was a poor lawyer. Zenos uh, and Apollos were, were passing through. And one of the things that, that Paul is kind of exhorting Titus to say, hey, when these guys come through, they might not have enough money, they might not have enough supplies, they might not have enough resources to complete their journey. So when they come to your church, be ready to aid them. Be ready to con- allow them to continue on in their work. It was, uh, they were acting as, as missionaries, as servants of the church, and as they were coming through, uh, Paul, in a sense, is telling Titus, hey, be ready to give an offering to them. Make sure that they aren't stopped in the important work of spreading the gospel because they've run out of supplies. Paul partners with many people to accomplish the purpose. We've, we've said that the book of Titus emphasizes the zeal of the redeemed. That the grace of God has appeared in Christ at the cross. That the glory of Christ is going to be revealed when He returns. That in the meantime, He manifests His godliness through the church who are zealous for good works. We say this is a part of our identity. Uh, Titus 2, verse 14 says that Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. He's, he's given us a new identity. As, as we heard in Lex's testimony and as, as emphasized in the book of Titus, the good works never save us, but that the saved are always accompanied by good works. He here is dedicated to the church accomplishing good things. But Paul doesn't do it individually, and he doesn't do it isolated. In fact, uh, throughout the scriptures, I don't know how many there are total, but over 40 people are mentioned in partnership with Paul and his ministry activities. Because he was dedicated to the purpose of the spread of the gospel, he was willing to partner with others in order to function as intended. Now, uh, when we talk about this, it's not usually in in terms we think of. I think a lot of times, as American Westerners, we think in individualistic terms. So, you know, my responsibility is to make sure that I'm doing right and and all that thing. Uh, But we don't always think, am I working properly in partnership with others to achieve gospel purposes? But if we take seriously the analogy that's used often for the what the church is to be. It says the church is to be a body. Now, when, when you think about a healthy body, does a, a healthy body consist of parts that are healthy or parts that are able to work together for a common purpose? 
Well, it's got to be both, doesn't it? But both our individual morality, our individual holiness is, is important because we're a part of the body. We're connected to one another. But we, we aren't functioning in isolation. We've got to be a part of the body. We've got to be relating to another, one another. We've got to be working together for the purposes He's called us to. This is why both individual and corporate theology are important. This is why both individual and corporate morality is important. This is why both individual and corporate godly living are important. We are called to be partners in the gospel. By the way, one of the things I'm very glad of is that First of Anne has a vision for partnership. I, I don't know if you know this, but it's even written into our Constitution. Um, I'm sure most of y'all read, read this every weekend. Uh, but he, here's a, a section uh, talking about the object of First of Anne. It says, The object of First of Anne shall be the preaching and teaching of the Word of God for the salvation of the lost and for the building up of the faith of believers. The worldwide proclamation of the gospel of grace, of the grace of God, as the one means of salvation. The promotion of godly worship, didn't we have that this morning? With dependence upon God in prayer, the defense of the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And here, listen to this. And cooperation with churches missions and institutions functioning in harmony with the Holy Scriptures until the return of the Lord. We don't accomplish it by ourselves. The purposes God has called us to are are bigger than we can accomplish on our own. First of all, we need dependence on Him. Second of all, we need connection with one another in order to accomplish those purposes. Partnership helps us pursue our purpose. It also mentions here, as we pursue our purpose, it says, And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works, so as to help in cases of urgent need, and not be unfruitful. I said these were flyover verses, but we're going to run out of time. They're too rich. They've got too much in them for us to get everything out of them. Uh, We see that here that they're called to be devoted to good works, and and we see a couple things in this description. First of all, devotion to good works has to be learned. It's not automatic. Uh, Just because you're saved doesn't mean you know how to commit good works. It doesn't mean you know how to act in right relationship to others. Second of all, if you want to do good works, which as we've said is a part of Christ's purpose for you in being saved, you have to be ready. It has to be learned and you have to be ready so that they can help. If they aren't learning, they're not going to be ready. Thirdly, you must be responsive. That is, you're not just learning it, you're not just ready, but then when the opportunity comes, you take it. When there are cases of urgent need, they're ready to respond because they've learned how to devote themselves to good works. All this leads to a fruitful life. 
Throughout the book of, of Titus, we've emphasized that God does not gain from our works. Borrowing, borrowing from Paul's words in Acts, God has given us life and breath and everything. And even if we gave every breath, every moment of our life, everything we had to God, it doesn't add any to his account. But we've said, nonetheless, good works are important for those who have been saved because they benefit ourselves. They cause us to become who God has called us to be. And they certainly ought to benefit our neighbor. Christians ought to be the best neighbors, the best citizens, the best friends to those who need. Finally, he ends sending greetings to those who are with Titus and to those who love them in the faith. And finally, he ends with a blessing. He says, grace be with you all in all his work, in all his partnership. The primary thing, the only thing Paul has to offer. By the way, it's what distinguishes Christianity from every other religion. The only thing he has to offer is the grace of God. It's the best blessing he can offer. It's the most important thing he gives. The grace of God has saved us. The grace of God has called us to be people who are zealous for good works. As we pursue that goal, I pray that you would think about how do I partner with others to accomplish this? How can I partner with my spouse, my friends, my church, missions institutions, parachurch institutions to do more good? so that more might see and hear of the grace of our great God, the one and only King, Jesus Christ. Our benediction will be the last five words of the book of Titus. Grace be with you all. Amen.